Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan on News Talk. As we were discussing before we went into news, our first topic today is around the area of SUVs. You might have heard Brian Caulfield of the School of Engineering in Trinity College, Dublin, on Pat Kenny earlier today. He is calling for us to phase out SUVs. Here's a clip of him talking earlier. What the evidence shows us is that these cars are 20, have a 20% higher emissions profile um, than, say, a, a saloon car or a hatchback car. So they are producing more emissions. We're selling more and more of them year on year. It would seem to me as a, a kind of a no-brainer, low-hanging fruit. This is something that we should start to phase out. Um, if people aren't yet ready to transfer to an electric car, um, the, the, the worst thing I think possible that they could be doing is buying one of these SUVs that have such a much higher uh, emissions profile. And look, they are popular. Um, you see them out in the road, mainly, I would imagine, for families. Um, you know, if you've got two or more kids who do sporting activities at the weekend, we're all carpooling, we're all bringing other kids. There's dogs and buggies and sports equipment in the back. So is it a reality that that's what family life calls for? Or are they still seen as very much a status symbol? And is that something we really need to look at? Because... Even the electric versions, reading further down into what Brian Caulfield is saying, still don't make the impact that we want because the batteries take up a lot of power and we have to bear in mind what it takes to produce them. So what's your thoughts on SUVs, especially if you drive one? Well, we have Ray on the line in Louth. Ray, you're live on Lunchtime Live. How are you? Hi, Claire. How are you doing? Thanks very much for having me on the show. Uh, you, great, thank you have an SUV, so tell us a bit about mm-hmm. that. Do you ever feel conscious driving it? Well, I guess the question has to be asked is why drive an SUV? I mean, it's it's an SUV for a reason. And as one of your callers talked about, um, you know, SUV describes the shape of the car rather than the size or, you know, the type of the car. So it's utility and we use it a lot for sports. I mean, we can fill the car up. Um, with our own kids and with family's kids, you know, friends' kids rather, put the bikes on the roof and we can tow something behind it as well. And we can't do that in a normal car. I mean, if you, you've often seen hatchbacks going to the West Coast on a weekend, stuffed to the gills, you know, there's five people in the car, roof box, bike racks on it and the, and the boot is just ready to burst. And that's clearly overload and it's not safe. I mean, just... the government's trying to encourage sports and, you know, uh, an SUV is a utility vehicle and that's why I have one um, for that reason for, for sports but also for safety. We did have a, an estate car and unfortunately we got um, a, a construction lorry ran through us um, there a few years ago and uh, there were injuries so I swore then to get an SUV which I got a Volvo and I do feel much much safer in that. Um, so that there's two reasons yeah. for me to own it. And two pretty good ones, it has to be said. Ray, will you stay on the line? Because I want to talk with you further, but I just want to bring Peter in on this one. Peter's on the line in Dublin. Peter, what do you think about this? So for me, the key issue is about, you know, particularly in Dublin, where you've got probably thousands of these that are two-ton trucks, like vans moving around. They're transporting one person. You know, what also happens is, there's this mindset which comes with driving an SUV, which I did years ago, right, whereby you're the king of the road. And there's, you know, one that I see moving around Dublin, and it's a Land Rover, but the owner has rebranded it as Move Over. And again, it feeds into that whole arrogance on the road, 
whereby this person is going around and you see her in your in your rear mirror and it just says move over. So you've got the weight of the vehicle, the consumption of the fuel. You've also got the level of resources that are required to build a car like that. Even things like the tires, if you weigh it, the sheer weight of the tire on something like that and the scale of it, think of all the resources that it's taking to, uh, that are extracted to build it, to power it. And I know, you know, some, some of these people are saying, yeah, well, I've gone hybrid, it's a plug-in hybrid. But in essence, the amount that is required from the electrical system to actually power those for a very short hybrid journey is very significant. So whilst they may be playing the green card, in actual fact, it's pure greenwashing. You know, I, I think we need to look at the use of it because particularly for, you know, people who are in, in business that need them, absolutely no problem. People who are craftspeople and moving around, I'm an electrician, I'm a plumber, I need an SUV. I'm a farmer. I uh, do move significant products across. The, I need an SUV. So that's justified. But in a high-density part of the country, or of a city, where you're literally transporting one little child, it just does not make sense. So we, I, I think in particular we need to bring in congestion charging to make it, and also make it socially unacceptable to be driving such large the vans, you know, posh vans really, or Chelsea tractors as they call them in London City. Well, thanks very much for that, Peter. Ray, can I put that back to you then? Because Peter said a lot there about that stereotype that there's somebody driving along thinking they own the road and and making others feel inferior or that it's okay for tradespeople or farmers to use them. Do you think families should fall under that bracket too? Well, I think, first of all, you have to look at the perception that he has of an SUV driver. I mean, that's his personal perception um, that he looks at, you know, that driver and labels them with that, um, you know, feel good factor on the road about being a bully on the road. I, you know, when I wasn't driving an SUV, I didn't find that. Um, and now that I do, I'm conscious of, you know, making sure I have plenty of room. And a lot of the, the new SUVs are really, really good at letting you know that you're too close to the people in front of you and braking automatically. And then when it comes to when he's talking about the, how much energy it takes to produce one of these cars, I mean, that can be really applied to everything. You know, I, I'm hoping that he moves into a really small apartment, that he cycles everywhere, that he never takes public transport, that he's as green as he can be, you know? I mean, where do you draw the line at, and saying that, look, what you're doing is, is not acceptable and then demonizing um, people is is really cheap uh, form of, uh, I suppose, it's a cheap tactic, really, to demonise drivers. And Brian Caulfield said that he has, you know, an, an issue with SUVs and that if you're going to go electric, you know, even going to an SUV electric is a bad thing because SUV electrics, you know, uh, you know, burn a lot of electricity. And you can clearly see where this is going. So when all the fossil fuel cars are gone, they'll continue to target motorists at the next level, you know. Um, you can't have a large SUV electric. You can't have a large SUV estate car. You know, where does that end? And I think saying that only commercial drivers can have SUVs, well, I don't think that's a valid argument at all. 
Well, family was very much at the central point of your decision making in buying that SUV. You spoke about family activities, bringing the bikes, bringing, you know, your kids and other kids to matches and all of that, as well as keeping your family safe. But do we need to think about our family's future and and climate change? I know it's very hard to take on on a day to day basis, but when we're told we need to make these drastic moves, do we need to look at asking the clubs if they can store the sports equipment there? Do we need to look at other different ways of moving around the place and get rid of these bigger vehicles? Well, that's an interesting point. Now, not everybody's in a club. Not everybody does a sport where you have a facility, which is very lacking in Ireland, by the way, um, you know, where you can store your equipment. Some of us you know, might travel across the country to different events um, and there's no way to store that equipment. Um, and I certainly think that climate change is a very valid argument. Um, I'm very aware that in my own career, where we, we do our best to mitigate uh, the use of fossil fuels. And I think, though, looking at the overall picture of how do you, you know, how do you run your home? Do you have electricity in your home? Do you have solar panels in your home? That whole process of an overall view on, on your consumption rather than targeting one thing, which is the SUV, um, and and saying, well, we'll get rid of that, we'll demonise it, we'll take it away. Um, you know, I, I don't think it's a valid point. I don't think it's a valid argument. Yeah, having a congestion charge perhaps in cities, I'm not against that. Um, but certainly when you're travelling across country, and again, I'll go back to that hatchback stuff to the gills with the roof box on the top and a bike rack and five passengers and, you know, especially some people are quite large. They won't fit into a hatchback and it's not comfortable for them. So there are... Alternatives to the hatchback, which is the SUV, it feels safe. Um, I'd rather see somebody putting my children into an SUV than a hatchback if they're coming to pick them up for sports, you know. So there is that aspect to it as well. I mean, we live on an island. We have to fly out of the island. You know, aviation really is, it really saves our bacon, you know, when it comes to our bad weather. So um, um, we're very considerate with the, with the air, aircraft that we use. A lot of the new airlines coming into Ireland have very brand new aircraft, very fuel efficient. And I think banning in Ireland is, is, is a knee-jerk reaction that we use quite a lot. And, and instead of it being a banning culture, we should be really a, a culture of innovation and, and improving technology and making it better and encouraging that and encouraging people to use uh, more efficient vehicles, uh, even if they are your SUVs, um, which are getting more and more um, efficient all the time because it's become more and more popular. Okay, Ray, thank you so much for joining us on Lunchtime Live today. Um, And Pat Kane is somebody that I would follow a lot. Um, She's very forthright on sustainability and the climate crisis through her company, Reusey. And she always talks about, you know, do better best. And you just do the best with what you can to be sort of paralysed with with guilt and trying to take on too much actually brings about more inaction. And that was something that Ray kind of touched on there, that yes, he got an SUV for one reason, but it doesn't mean that he's not conscious of climate change and making different decisions to try and, and mitigate that in some ways. A texture says banning SUVs is ludicrous. Tax is based on emissions, not vehicle size. Many fully electric SUVs. I need an SUV for work, so banning will force me to buy a larger vehicles. Another says ban SUVs. What next? Ban big houses, big gardens, five star hotels, fine dining restaurants, cruise ships. Let's create a grey bleak world like the USSR was. Well, I mean, 
let's call a spade a spade. When we're looking down the barrel of what they're telling us with climate change, we are looking at a fairly grey and bleak world. So do we need to start thinking about five star hotels, bigger vehicles, bigger gardens? I'm not suggesting that everything go grey and bleak. But unless we start making big changes, that's what we're faced with, like it or not. And I hate it much as the next person. Now, Brian Caulfield also alluded to this point earlier on, that there was a perception of the people who drive SUVs and this whole, and I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm quoting it here, yummy mummy stereotype, because I, I don't like that term myself. Ali joins me on the line from Kerry. Ali, you are live on Lunchtime Live. How are you doing? Um, I suppose I um, I fit the bill for the yummy mummy, do I? But um, I the point I'd like to make is that nobody really knows the story behind the wheel. Um, from my own point of view, I drive a seven-seater SUV, um, which houses my two young children, myself and my husband, a buggy. So what do you think? I don't know how happy people are with SUVs and yummy mummy type stereotypes. Uh, do let us know if you're OK with this. I'm certainly not. Peter is on the line in Dublin. Peter, what do you think about this? Um, We'll go to Michael. Michael, why did you get in touch? Uh, yeah, I am. Well, I do drive an SUV. Um, last July, myself um, and my partner and two very young children uh, went off the road um, down a 20-metre ravine. I was in front uh, in a camper van. And we deliberately made the decision that my partner and the two kids would be in the X5 because of safety. So I was keeping a good eye on them um, and then turned a corner and, and they didn't come around that corner. Um, I immediately tried the phone, no answer. I turned the camper van um, round, yeah, sorry, round the next corner. Um, I saw rubble on the road. I stopped, jumped out, and I saw the BMW. Um, I saw the BMW at the bottom of a 20 meter ravine. Long story short, um, Guards, fire state services, and ambulance service arrived, and and each one of the disciplines said if they hadn't been in the expat, they would have been dead. Simple as that. Yeah, and that's what Ray said earlier that it was a collision when he had an estate car that really made him think of of safety. Um, yeah. And and I, I think we make assumptions about people that they just bought this SUV because they wanted to to look cool, whereas you know safety is a big consideration. It's massive. I mean, my partner at the time was a wee bit cynical of the X5. To be honest, she thought boys and their toys. After that, she said, please just go and buy something stiff. I, I, I also get the whole uh, climate thing. I, I, I'm passionate about it. Uh, we do all that we can at home to, to mitigate. However, the bigger, bigger problem is the global picture. The, the, the state actors who are polluting the planet, destroying it, um, and, and just opposing that against the potential for another accident and my children and wife dead and by the SUV all day, yeah. all day long. And I, I think there's so many families that, that, that do think that way. You know, they do their best with recycling. They try to be a conscious consumer as much as they can. 
but we can only live day to day. And I, and I understand that we sometimes feel like we're powerless when there are way bigger players doing way worse with emissions than we are. But do you essentially believe in the power of one, Michael, that if we all made these small decisions, it would end up making a big difference? No, I absolutely do. Uh, however, I just don't see the alternative there uh, in terms of transport, in terms of the whole model of the electric car. I mean, Toyota, for example, don't believe that solution. So, you know, with the alternative of being given isn't fit for purpose. Fair enough, Michael. Thank you very much for coming on. Safety at the forefront of Michael's choice there again. Um, And Ali, can I ask you about your decision making process then with the the SUV? Yeah, clear. So I think I was cut off there. Um, So along with all the various accoutrements that um, comes with having small children and buggies and all the rest of it, I also have a wheelchair. I was in a road traffic accident myself and I have a spinal injury. So for me, similarly, um, I really only feel safe in a bigger, heavier car, to be honest. And um, we just wouldn't fit everything we need in one car. We'd need a second car. Um, so that would be our circumstances. Um, and I did take a slight issue with, you know, the yummy mummy term, um, which, I, you know, I just find humorous. I don't really... Um, doesn't bother me too much with other people's opinions of my own life, but um, but I would say you know I'm a passionate advocate for um, looking after the environment. Uh, we're a vegetarian. We try and grow our own food. All of that. Um, I think there needs to be joined up thinking. I don't think it should be the SUV drivers against you know the cyclists or the greens or anybody. I, similarly, I don't think it should be the farmers against the vegans. I think we need joined up thinking. I think we need, all need to come together. Um, I, you know, with any great change, I think it starts young. It should be in our schools. Um, I would like to see, you know, our children being taught the value of like veg, how to and fruits, how to cook for themselves, how to maybe grow if they have those facilities. We talk about big gardens. There's plenty we can do with big gardens, um, other than taking them away. So I think, you know, I think this whole argument is very nuanced. Um. I don't necessarily think there's a right and a wrong, you know, I think for all of us to move forward and to leave um, a healthy environment on earth for the next generation, we do all need to come together. I don't think there should be any kind of socially acceptable um, uh, terms put on SUV drivers or, or anything else. I think, you know, we need to look at the bigger picture here. Yeah, I totally agree with you, Ali. It's going to take a collective rather than us pointing the finger and having anger. And I I just think you represent something so important that we make assumptions of somebody behind the wheel of a car just because of what that car or vehicle looks like. And we have no idea of what is going on in that person's life or what led to that decision. And, you know, I think it's great that you say you don't care what other people think of you and that's where we should all get. But this kind of anger doesn't get us anywhere, doesn't get us to the end result that we need. No, it's not helpful at all. I mean, look, we're all living in the same earth, you know, one of us pitting one of us against the other. You know, it's not helpful. It's not going to it's not going to make any great change for what we're doing, only looking out the windows, you know, um, at, at whoever's driving what and whoever's cycling. And, you know, we all, as you say, I think if we can all do our best and do our best, um, that is great and start at home. Um, but education for me is the one thing I think, you know, um, it needs to it needs to be brought up from yeah. from the young up. And, and it is um, happening. I mean, you know, the kids now are far more aware of, of climate change and, and what to do about it than perhaps, you know, previous generations. I know 
um, GIY Grow It Yourself Ireland are involved in the primary schools promoting growing veg. So those kind of things are happening. But if we were to bring in things like extra taxes or, you know, parking restrictions, what effect would that have on, on you driving a larger vehicle? Based on the reasons you chose it in the first place, well, it would have it would have a it would have a it would have a very large impact. I mean, if I was to have to pay extra taxes for driving around a city, um, it would probably deter me from going there. I'm sure. Look, I would have to say, um, the government would probably have some stipulation that people with disabilities or whatever would be exempt. But um, you know, we don't know anybody's story behind the wheel, so we don't know the reasons that they are driving what they're driving. Um. So I just I think I think it's very nuanced and I think we need to look at the bigger picture here. Maybe have a campaign, absolutely, you know, if if it's not necessary for you to drive a large car with large emissions, fine, you know, maybe run some kind of a campaign like that. But I just I do I think we need to look at the bigger picture and uh, and come together on it more than, you know, more than pit, pitting each other against one another, you know. Thanks, Ali. You spoke a lot of sense. Love talking to you today. Thank you very much for coming on. Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Weekdays at midday on News Talk. And we've been talking about Brian Caulfield of the School of Engineering in Trinity College, Dublin, calling for us to phase out SUVs. And he's saying for every five sold, you knock out the benefit of an electric vehicle bought because an SUV causes 20% more pollution than the average car. And if you're thinking, well, why don't we get a fully electric SUV? That's a no too, because recharging the batteries takes a huge amount of power and we have to factor in what it takes to produce them. So we've been asking... If you have an SUV, why did you buy it? Because there is this stereotype out there that people are just buying them willy-nilly as a status symbol. And we have Dee on the line. Dee, why did you get in touch? Hi, um, Claire. Um, I just, I, I kind of think we're going down a rabbit hole here again, as we kind of um, do as humans, I guess. Um, I mean, we have just uh, failed to decarbonise a sector like world transport and dairy and we have the third highest per capita emissions of any member state of the EU. Like Varadkar said himself, we are climate laggards. And here we are discussing, you know, I mean, we are probably eight years from the tipping point, probably less now. I mean, for future generations, we're talking about going to games and taking kids here and there and everything. I mean, will we have a world? <laughs> I don't mean to sound completely um, uh, gone down the existential road, but like, this is what we're looking at. We, we are looking at climate catastrophe and biodiversity collapse. It's happening. I know. And do you look, I said it to Ray, who seemed like a lovely dad who, you know, based on a previous accident, wanted a safer vehicle and is transporting yeah. kids and, and, and stuff around yeah. the place and their bikes. So it all came from a lovely place. And I, I felt yeah. like doom and gloom saying, but what about a future for those kids? Yeah. But I think you're right. I think we have, like, I, I think that is, like, you know, I, I think we have to kind of just, just drill down to the granularity of this. And, you know, I mean, you, you know, you can be driving whatever you, you, you please. But, I mean, once you understand that, you know, I mean, our, surely our children are going to look at us and say, what the hell did you do when this was happening? You know, what were you doing or thinking? Yeah, it's really you know, interesting. I mean, Radker said we're climate laggards and we are. I know. And that's coming from the top down. I mean, that's not something that you want to hear from your leader. And I think that's where people really struggle because 
most families, yeah. most couples, most people are just trying to get through day to day, whether that's financially, Absolutely. psychologically. We're all just trying yeah. to get on with, with life. So to take on climate change, people might bring a keep cup with them, but that's maybe the best that they can do. It has to come from the top down. It has to be bigger, don't you think? I absolutely do. And I think like we're, we have been, I mean, we know this for 40 years and I think our, our government are, you know, I've, I've said it there, we're the, we've, we're the third highest, um, uh, we're the third highest uh, um, rate of emissions. emissions. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, um, of carbon. So like we, I mean, our, you know, we, we are, we're dreadful. Like we really are. We'd like to think we're green and we're everything, but you're, we have uh, an appallingly few amount of trees and, you know, we're just, we, we kind of don't get it really, I think, at the top. Yeah, you know, I mean. said we're in a climate emergency, but, you know, there re- really isn't that will and that kind of push to, to, to help us to, to, to change, you know. I do believe that people are, are far more conscious than they ever were before. Even Ali there, you know, spoke about, yeah. you know, the changes she has made. They don't eat meat in her family. They're very climate conscious, Absolutely. but they drive an SUV yeah. because it, it fits the wheelchair in the back. So, you know, we're talking about SUVs here rather than the fight against climate change, although that is obviously part of the, the wider discussion. I mean... Yeah. We do tend to finger wag in this discussion and it kind of gets us nowhere. Are there changes being made, albeit them small, such as the upgrade? I, I'm speaking from what I know here in Dublin. There's been an upgrade of the transport system. We're upgrading to get more cycle lanes in. It's not yeah, going to be something huge. that will happen overnight, but it is starting to happen. Yeah, I just think we're a bit late to the table, Claire. I, I worry about that, you know. I just think, yeah, we're we're getting there, but you know, time is not on our side. Yeah. Let's put it like that. Agreed, Dee. It Agreed. Isn't. It's a scary rabbit hole to look down, I grant you. Thank you very much for coming on. Um, a texter says, regarding the last caller who had spinal injuries, of course there will be exceptions, but for a lot of SUV drivers, this isn't the case and they're perfectly healthy and don't need an SUV, but in their naive heads, it's a status symbol. And while we do need joined up thinking, it's also true SUVs are really bad for the environment and should be limited to people who really need them. Parents got on without them for years and they will again when they are forced to. Well, we go to Rachel. Rachel, you're live on Lunchtime Live here on News Talk. What are your thoughts on this? Hi, Claire. I just uh, text in because um, I do have an SUV, but it's uh, a 1.4 litre petrol. And um, and again, I, I needed it to hold three children, two grandparents and a full weekly shop. Um, but now that my eldest will be driving, I think I can look at, you know, downsizing. Um, but it is it is to get that balance between the the space that you need uh, versus, you know, um, economy in your pocket, you know, when it comes to fuel and, and the road tax, and also um, then, you know, the effect that it has on the environment. And I actually don't know enough about that. I don't know enough about say, going electric, um, because I think currently the way things stand, there are a lot of mileage on the parts that it takes to assemble an electric vehicle. So I, 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 I you know, I, I don't know enough about it to to know whether or not I'm, I'm better off keeping the car that I have and driving it until, you know, it's, it's no longer drivable. Or if you look into... Um, you know, getting something newer and smaller. I don't know what the answer is to that. 
but I was I was conscious like when somebody it was back in 2017 you know said oh you know nice car whatever I was very conscious to say you know it's not a real SUV it's only a front wheel drive and it's only a 1.4 liter engine because I didn't want to be judged for having yeah. you know um, a, it's receiving to have a big car even though it's not it's big space-wise, if you know what I mean. So um, Yeah, and you said you were doing it to accommodate your life. And what about the smaller changes? Like you mentioned the big shop there. Like, do you consider small changes like getting your shop delivered, for example, and different changes that you can make and, and, and believing that they might make an impact? Well, yeah, I do. But actually, the reason why I like to go shopping myself is because I feel I can reduce the packaging that I choose. Mm. You know, so I now have like bags for my, for my reusable bags for my fruit and vegetables. So that I don't have to take all the plastic and cardboard and that type of thing home from the supermarket. And um, so, you know, I can make personal choices where that's concerned. And there's actually a very good book by a, a doctor, Tara Shine, and it's how to reduce your carbon footprint one object at a time. And, um, you know, it's it's very interesting, just the small changes that we can make individually. But I still think that the biggest climate change no matter what we do individually it still has to come down to industry and and how are you ever going to curb that you know and and I think too the reason why the government don't particularly get involved is if you tell people that they have to change their way of life and you really you know are pedantic about it you lose votes you know it's not a sexy uh, uh, message to have to deliver to anybody and so I do think that when it comes to election time um, it's something that maybe they veer away from, except for the likes of perhaps the Greens, you know, because that's their. Yeah, I don't know, their, Rachel. Their I thing. think it could be very sexy. I'd absolutely love to see it. I mean, when you look at the pandemic oh, yeah, and no, no, I, the education I that went out that. there and the change in behaviour across the world that could be managed from the top down, I think we could do it with climate change. And I just don't understand why we're not. Rachel, thank you so much for coming on. And Rachel's another SUV driver who, when you drill down, is really climate conscious. And even, you know, ahead of coming on with Pat Kenny earlier, he said there's just so much guilt everywhere for people, isn't there? So, you know, she's feeling guilty that if she gets the shop delivered, that there might be more plastic. And people are really paralysed for knowing what the right thing to do truly is, even though their attention intention is good. A texter says trying to make SUVs socially acceptable is daft. On my road, every third car could be classed as an SUV. Imagine the environmental impact of all these people replacing a perfectly good car just for eco points. That's from Claire in Ballantyre. Yeah, but it's this weighing up like we kind of need and maybe there is something like this that people could let us know, because I know there's lots of organisations now pushing for sustainability and, and education around this. But, you know, the way if you're changing your utilities now, you can go to a website and, and you know, put in your needs and get all this diff- different information. That's what we need around being greener, because maybe it does make more sense in the long term to hand in those SUVs and get something else back, even though it seems very wasteful. I'm not suggesting everyone on your road do that tomorrow, but, you know, that's the education piece, isn't isn't it? And we have Larry on the line. Larry, you are live on Lunchtime Live. How are you? No, Larry is gone. 
We might try and get him back. Uh, people played sports long before SUVs, says another. And regarding safety, great your kid is being put into one. But what about the safety of the child playing or cycling outside of the vehicle? Lines of sight are worse in larger vehicles. We are a family of six, says another, with two babies under three. We need an SUV and have no choice. We live in Mayo and until local government have bike lanes, we have to remain in our seven seater. We are five years lobbying for a bike lane and not a thing has been done. If there were more lanes there would be less SUVs. Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Weekdays at midday on News Talk.